Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. When you get there, uh, there are two links. The second is the standard, uh, well, no, the second, no, no, sorry, sorry. The second is the radio loop. That's the one that makes you kind of feel as though you've just flicked on the radio dial, although you haven't. You've, you've chosen something off of a, uh, off of a computer in an online uh, environment. Uh, we try to make it feel as analog as possible. You pick up the show wherever it happens to be in the loop and uh, hopefully get interested just as you would with any other uh, show you picked up at any point you turned on the dial. And of course, of course, the other option, the, I guess now in this day and age, the standard option is the podcast link. That's the first link on the page at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. And um, one way or the other, you're listening to us right now. Uh, you could use either of those routes to get to precisely where we are at this moment, and that is... Uh, being center-left radio, presenting our information and our stories to you. Uh, it is the 28th of April, 2023. Life keeps moving on at a, at a brisk pace, as pretty much as, as it has for, oh, I imagine, millennia and, a, and or maybe a few million, or depending on your perspective, uh, for billions of years. But things keep moving along. Uh, there is this tendency, however, to want to... Um, really uh, drill down, to focus down very hard on the, the most recent events surrounding us, simply because they are so compelling, because there's so much noise coming from the, uh, the main players within those events, and there's a tendency, a tendency, to lose a larger perspective about a lot of things. Things that basically ground us, things that basically give us the structure within which we can watch the louder and the more compelling and the more dramatically interesting events, hopefully without losing context without understanding uh, what is really important, what is really long-term, what is really the stuff that, that gives us the ability to not totally fall apart or become to to, to go completely bipolar, so to speak, uh, every time something changes and 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 you would think or you it, it would seem 
a not insubstantial part of this country is being uh, shuttled from pillar to post on a daily basis by the nature of the information being put out through social media, uh, cable news, uh, every other source, political sources particularly, and, and, and not really uh, able to uh, keep a, hand, a strong handhold on something a bit more firm. Uh, so emotions get tossed back and forth. People react strongly, largely, I think, because they become untethered from those things which ground them. Now, there are always things that you really have to react to. There are things that are really very bad and, and require an immediate reaction. There are things that challenge us as a nation, as a constitutional structure, that demand quick and immediate reaction and, and people have got to start doing something about it. There's plenty of that out there. But it, but it seems as though everything political falls into that category, or at least I, I, I have to point at the, at the MAGA far right here, the culture war approach to everything basically has as its goal to get people worked up and untethered from the substantive stuff that counts a hell of a lot more than whether or not a bill concerning transgender kids is, uh, is or being against transgender kids is passing in the state of Florida. That just doesn't really compare to having a stable family and putting food on the table and essentially living a decent life and working well with your neighbors, things of that sort. But that's where we are. And, and, and it leads me to think or to question in my own life. I mean, I, perhaps you'd like to ask the same question within your own. What are the things? What are the longer term things? What are, what's the stuff that grounds me? And, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about uh, a particular affiliation. I'm talking about what you do consistently. What, what is it that you are going to do no matter what the political news of the day might be? How, how, are, how is that thing or those things tied into a statement to yourself about yourself, about what is important to you, what will, what will transcend the, the fluctuations of the news cycle for that day, whether you feel good about politically what has just been announced, that, that your, that your uh, alleged enemies have, have, uh, have suffered some kind of defeat, or you, you on your side have, or, or you've, you've gained a victory in the court of public 
public opinion or Donald uh, got, you know, uh, is getting, uh, uh, they're getting prepared to indict him in Georgia. And, uh, uh, and, and it seems Jack Smith has got both his cases moving like crazy. He's doing poorly. His, his lawyers are attempting to really browbeat uh, uh, Gene Carroll in the civil rape case that's currently going on in New York. And Trump is getting, and blah, blah, blah. And, well, yeah, I mean, all that's real. All that's real. And, and you can get a, a certain feel about it. But, but what is it that you're doing with your life day by day that, that literally transcends the news? Isn't, doesn't that sound like an odd question? But but it's but it's, but it's, it it really is a valid one and and deserves to be considered and answered, because so much of what we are doing, or so much of what we seem to be doing, or how we interact with one another, or the topics we choose to speak about, and God knows I'm guilty of this, involve the political news of the day of the moment. News cycles are, you know, it used to be a day, it used to be a week. Well, the, the news cycles are down to hours, sometimes minutes, it seems. The next thing to come up, oh my God, where am I, where am I being thrown? Where, where are my emotions being uh, shunted to this time? The question, what is, what are the stable things that you do? And, 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 and in doing them, they're not just rote motions. There, there's, a, there's an emotional connection. These are the important things. What am I connected to that I do? What keeps me grounded? Well, it, it, it takes some thought to discover these things, most times, sometimes, I guess, well, for all of us. But occasionally, occasionally, there are, uh, something will happen, or, or you'll do something, or I'll do something, that will bring a great deal of perspective for me, Hopefully this happens for you. As to what are the important grounding things in your life? What, what is it that's really, really important? I, I had a moment like that yesterday. Now, I, 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 can, I can, you know, any, any of us can fall back. And I wouldn't even call it fall back. I, I think it's, it's fair to say that without thinking a lot, People would say, if asked, you know, what are the things that ground you? What about my family? And, 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 and I guess in, in some instances, uh, my, my religious beliefs, uh, these are the things that have carried me through, and I do what I do because of blood. Okay, that's great. Beyond that, what are the things that define you? Be, be more specific. What do you do, really? Now that maybe maybe that's the way to approach the question. Hi, my name is uh, my name is Rich Gazer, and I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Oh, yeah. What do you do? I, I'm I, I'm a I'm I'm a, you know I'm 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 a I'm a data I, I I'm an IT I, I um, I'm I'm an accountant I I I'm 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 in school I'm st what do you do? And I had a 
what do you do moment yesterday because it really helped me to remember what's at the core of everything, including center-left radio. What is at the core of all that? What is driving? What, what is it that I do that allows me to keep doing everything that I do? Well, yesterday, um, I completed a writing project. That doesn't sound like anything. Okay, a writing project. What's that? Well, in, in this case, it, is the, it was the conclusion, the, the last words written down, for now, I'll say, of a writing project that began 16 years ago and has been going on nonstop, nonstop. I mean, there, there have been days where there have been, uh, uh, there's been breach. There, there, there have been times when the amount of effort put into this project on any given day uh, would be less. There have been times when there might have been even as much as a, as much as a week where, where, where things weren't being written, where something new wasn't being added or something recent wasn't being edited or re-edited. But, but barring, but, but never more than maybe a few days, but by and large, almost every single day, more or less, for 16 years, I've been working on the same writing project. And as a result of that, the, the output from that includes, I would say, five, maybe I would say almost six full screenplays. One was completely rewritten, one was, one was scrapped, and, 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 and a new replacement was put in. I'll give, it, I'll give that a five and a half since there was a, since there was a rewrite. Uh, six, I'll give myself six screenplays, full length, you know, uh, 120 plus page screenplays in, in what we call screenwriter format. Added to that a, a novel and completed yesterday a 10 part, 10 hour, fully written, screen ready miniseries. If you add up the total number of pages, and, and, and this is the scary part, and it's, this is probably not even uh, the full number because there'd be a lot of errata and a lot of things that were in, a lot of things taken out. But if you add up the total number of pages for the screenplays, the, the, uh, the novel, and the miniseries, I'm topping over 2,000 pages of material over the course of 16 years and all part of the same large extended story expressed first in screenplay form, then in novel form, 
And finally now, in miniseries for me, somehow I haven't managed to tell this story as a, as a theatrical vehicle yet. Over 2,000 pages, writing consistently for 16 years. Now, a, a lot has happened to me in 16 years. Where I was 16 years ago, uh, quite honestly, was not as pleasant a place as where I am right now. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, there were some real challenges, financial and otherwise, taking place in my life. 16 years ago, I will not take you through them. But, but suffice it to say that one afternoon in the summer of 2007, uh, my wife and I were sitting with a group of friends, very good friends, uh, in the backyard of uh, one of them, uh, somewhere in New Jersey, having a barbecue. I, th I, it, I think it was probably uh, late spring. It was getting chilly in the evening, so it was either spring or fall, I'm not sure, but it was somewhere in 2007. My, my wife says she can identify this if she goes and verifies exactly what was happening. And it had been a lovely day, and these people are some of the, were some of the, are and were some of the funniest people I know. And we were laughing and doing whatever we do, and, uh, and, and, uh, and we're sitting around in, uh, around a, uh, you know, a barbecue table late in the, late in, you know, the evening is going, dusk is falling, it's getting dark, it's getting a little chilly, as I recall. And uh, the, the, the barbecue is still going there, and there's also cooking going on in the kitchen. And they, they, they had two much younger children at that point, uh, both of whom are now out of college. And, and I suddenly, with wine in hand, and most other people listening with wine in hand, uh, said, whatever happened to Maria after Tony died? And, 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 and this, for all the chatter going on, I think most people didn't hear it at first. I said, wait, and then I, you know, being me, I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait, wait, hey, hey, did you hear? I, let, me, let me ask that again. And I kind of got everybody's attention and I said, question, everybody, whatever happened to Maria after Tony died? And people were staring at me like, what? <laughs> Who? What, what, and I said, I, said, I said, West Side Story, West Side Story. Now, probably the conversation had been going on about making jokes about something someone had done six months ago or what someone had spilled someplace or some weird thing that had happened when we were all out someplace at dinner somewhere else or some family, you know, it was in that range. And, and to suddenly throw that in there was, at best, a curveball. I don't know. People didn't know if I was just trying to be, you know, break things up or just be, or just being weird or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I guess I'm a little weird. That's fine uh, to me. Uh, and there was not much of an answer. There were chuckles like, Rich, what the hell? And I said, no. I, I, I said, I said, I'm a huge fan of West Side Story. I, I, I love that story. 
And I have thought for years, and I had, about a sequel, about, about what, what happened to this girl. I was madly, madly in love with Natalie Wood and her character, Maria, in West Side Story, the film that won all those Academy Awards. I guess that it came out in what, 60, 62, I'm guessing, 61, 62. The, the play opened on Broadway in 57, and the movie uh, with two different directors, they, they, they fired uh, one of the directors uh, midway through. There's all kinds of political weirdness going on in creating that thing. But it wound up being one of the uh, huge successes of the era. Uh, won Academy Awards for uh, George Chikaris, I think. Rita Moreno. Did, did Natalie Wood win an Academy Award for that? It was Best Picture. Did she, did she get Best Actor? There was something like seven or eight awards, I seem to recall that. But I was madly in love with her character. And I was heartbroken, heartbroken for her. And I just had to, uh, I wanted something good to happen. Her story struck me, this, this kid sitting in a jacket and tie in the Loge section, the first balcony of the Lowe's State Theater on Broadway in Manhattan in the 50s, this big, ancient, wonderful theater, uh, and, and it was one of those rare times where, you know, here in America, where you actually had a ticketed seat. In other words, in most movies in America, you walk in, you sit down, you, you, you sit wherever you're going to sit. Maybe there might be, uh, depending on how large the theater is, there might be a section limitation. In other words, a balcony versus, uh, versus a, uh, a stage level. But by and large, in most theaters, you walk in, you sit down. Well, at that time, and especially for this movie, West Side Story, which was such a big deal, uh, you had to have very specific seats. I was in the second row of the loge, and I brought my older sister, my sister Grace. I, I, I took her with me. I bought the tickets for her, too. And we went down together, all dressed up, uh, it was on a Tuesday afternoon, and at that time, uh, we had what they called release time uh, at the uh, Catholic grammar school that we were going to. We, we had our Tuesday afternoons off because kids from the local public school came in and were given religious training. True story. This is how it was set up then. So Tuesday afternoon, uh, starting immediately after noon, uh, that would be the moment you would jump on a train, and if you had tickets to go see West Side Story, I imagine maybe it was a 2 o'clock showing or something. That's what we were on our way to. And I remember being mesmerized by the music and the stories and, 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 and the beauty of the whole thing, but especially by Natalie Wood. Her, I mean, yes, they darkened her up. I mean, they darkened up Rita Moreno and, and everything just to give them this Puerto Rican, whatever, whatever the producers decided would be a Puerto Rican look that mostly white audiences would go for in 1962. Okay, 
that, 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 that's simply how that was set up. But I just was completely, I was emotionally just, just completely taken in with her development of the character and how her heartbreak over what was happening with Tony and the final scenes. And I was, I mean, there were tears streaming down and I, it, it just, it just, it just cemented this image in my head and this horrible injustice that she had just suffered and yet the thing that she immediately does is walk proudly and strongly away from this tragedy. She, she, she has just watched this whirlwind romance, but, but with so much depth and so much, and so much commonality and, and touching on so many different levels of her life and her feelings and her emotions and, and being captivated on every level and having it all expressed in music and dance and, and, and done so skillfully between Sondheim and, 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 and Leonard Bernstein and, 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 and of course, you know, and all the choreography, Jerry Robbins and, and just, and it just was perfect. And it was so tragic because of that. That perfection could be blown away that quickly. And what does she do? She screams, she suffers, and instantly beyond that, she, she, she lets you know, the audience knows, I am going to survive this. And without knowing it at the time. Natalie Wood and, 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 and that story had set up a, a template in my mind about what was possible, even what would be preferable, what was, what was attainable, what, what, was this, what to aim for in the face of Somehow, tragedy that I knew, bad things, difficult things that somewhere in me I knew, there was, a, there was an inkling, things I would have to be prepared for. Nothing resonates in you like that unless there is a reality somewhere within you, something transcending any news story of the day, something transcending, you know, uh, the, the political uh, propaganda, transcending anything like uh, you know, uh, you know, culture wars, issues, something that, and I'll use the word, energetically, you know about your life, something that presages things in your future, something that removes time for that moment from the equation. You're facing everything. You're facing that which you're most afraid of as well for a moment that is out of time. And I was in that moment during the closing credits, uh, with the last scene of, well, Maria, you know, Natalie on the ground, crying over, over uh, Tony, then walking proudly 
behind his body out of the playground. That same playground is still there on 110th Street, somewhere between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. Same playground where they, where they filmed that. And then as, they pl as the music played and they ran the final credits and I, I couldn't leave, I couldn't walk, I couldn't stand up. And I just took advantage of the beautiful reprise of all the music and that amazing uh, graffiti-ish way in which all of the credits were given at the end of the film until the point where the, where the screen went dark. And somehow, I think my sister, who wasn't quite reacting like I was anywhere near it, but we both realized it was time to go. And I couldn't, I remember, I couldn't really let her see how I was so emotionally affected. So I kind of, hopefully, my eyes had dried up by then. And we both said things like, wow, that was great. Gee, that was amazing. Wow, how wonderful. And headed for the, uh, for the subway to make our way back to the Bronx. But it had touched something in me. And that something included, it, 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 it reminded me, it, it tapped in that thing in me that allows me to be persistent, to, to continue, to, to sustain a commitment, to keep doing something that is good and right that requires a longer-term doing. And I, I, here I am talking to you, here at, at Center Left Radio, and we've been doing this show now for six years. It was, it was I, I, I had no idea how long it would be. When we first started it, I said it would be a while. But I can trace this, this very moment that I'm sitting here in 2023, I can emotionally connect this ongoing commitment to that moment or that realization of, of a moment, that out-of-time that out moment in 1962, sitting in the second row of the Loge at the Low State Theater watching the closing credits of West Side Story. And, and it's, it amazes me to think about it. And that notion of, of, of continuing on, of, be, of doing what is important, of needing to sustain an effort, of, of recognizing that there are things that must go beyond just uh, an immediate reaction or an immediate uh, surge of energy that there are things you must commit to for the long haul, that there are things that you will commit to because you have suffered something, you've had a sense of loss, you've had fear injected, you are overcoming something, you are transcending a, a momentary problem or a much longer problem, but you have a vehicle, there's something in you out of time that's, that allows you to soldier on, for lack of a better term. And I, I was thinking about 
again, so much of the political landscape today and, and how we deal with things and the, and the, the immediacy, uh, uh, the transactionalness of how we react to things and, and what seems to be important at the moment and, and what is the cocktail conversation du jour. And, and every so often, well, it takes something like completing a 16-year writing project. And now, by the way, obviously, step two. <laughs> step, step one, take 16 years of your life. Step two, market it. But, but you have to understand that the marketing of this now becomes part of that same process, that same got to keep doing it until you get it right uh, feeling. And also uh, being able to look back at, at, at the project and, and, the, and the corpus of what I've created. Well, I, I'll call it my magnum opus. For, for lack of, of a better word, and given, you know, where I am in life, I may, I may have another one, or maybe I'll be, this one may become Magnus-er, who knows. But there's a sense of, rem a remarkable sense of accomplishment. I, I, I can't tell you how good this feels that, and I always, I always imagine that, well, you know, I, I never really feel great about it. it. It won't mean anything until I've sold this and I see it on the big screen, and, but that's not true. It will mean a great deal to me to see this produced and on the screen and to be compensated for it. And take my word, there's some, at any level, at, at, even at the, you know, the most minimal levels, uh, this will be a decently compensated uh, bit of writing, and, 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 a, and, a, and, a, and it, it will be an amazing project if it's, if it's produced like it's written, with the skill and the, and the resources that it demands, it'll be amazing. It's about, the story is about making it through. It's about surviving past horrible, difficult situations. It's about a string of stories, all connected, all people connected, and how, how surviving through their problems helps the next person do it, and how that passes on, and how that passes on, and how it ultimately, how these indiv seemingly individual stories, we don't realize it at first, but ultimately, change the world, starting with a simple story that will be recognizable as something of a utterly, completely reimagined sort of West Side Story. You see, I, I had originally wanted to write the next chapter, but clearly copyright issues would have gotten in the way if suddenly I either resurrected Tony or now we have Maria is carrying Tony's child and, and, and what it would require copyright insanity. No, it took a total rethinking, completely outside the box with just those images in my mind. New characters, new situations, new everything. But it was the beginning of this story and it's a story of hope. It is, oh, it's a, it's, it's a hope and love message to this planet. And I, and, I, and I hope 
you will have a chance to experience it. I hope all of us will have a chance to experience it. My, the next episode of my project, 16 years thus far, as I say, is the marketing of this. And, and I'll keep you posted. But it's the thing that drives me. It all goes back to 1962. It goes back to my recognition, my out-of-time realization of who I was and what I could ultimately do, that I could move forward through the most difficult of times. And I have. And I have. I've, 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 I've like, anyone, like anyone, I hope, you know, you, you take your hits and your emotions are, are slammed. But there's something in you. And I had the, I had the privilege of, of experiencing it out of time. This feeling, this notion that there would be a way to go forward. There must be a way to go forward. And that has been the driving force in my life. Not what happened to Donald today, not what the polls were for Joe Biden, and not what this might pretend for the 2024, and who's dropping in and who's dropping out, and what legal problem Trump is trying to avoid today, and who he's making fun of. And no. Knowing that I can move forward and do it with others, not just completely sealing myself off. That's been part of the, that's been an issue for me. Sealing myself off sometimes to move forward. Ultimately realizing, in, in the space between 1962 and now, that the real answer is not sealing yourself off, but opening yourself up. And that's what this writing Project, what is now the 10 part miniseries, the 10 hours, 10 full hours of the miniseries. That's what, that's part of it. It's, it's hope through affiliation and connection. It's all, all connected. We are all connected in ways and at levels that we can't even, we, we frequently can't even imagine. And it's all about our shared energy goes beyond religion beyond politics beyond nationality beyond language beyond culture it is something that binds every atom in the universe and not just in the present but in the past not just in this universe but in multiple universes they're there i tell you it binds all the civilizations of the multiverse it's there i promise you and you'll recognize you're part of it. At least, you'll recognize you're part of my view of it. <laughs> if and when <laughs> this assignment that life has given me uh, ultimately finds its way to the small screen, maybe the big screen, and then that will trigger a whole other series of things for me and you to react to and learn about and feel and realize are far more important than 
the political news of the day, as important as that may be, and and how as as much as much of it, some of it at least, uh, may actually. Uh, be a part of this larger uh, history of love and fear, the, this, this interplay of overcoming fear with love and hope. And love and hope are the same thing, by the way. They're identical. They're just, you know, I think they share two letters, like L-O-V-E-H-O-P-E. Yeah. O and E are shared. There's just, just two letters changed otherwise, and they're the same thing. You can't have hope without love. You can't have love without hope. It is... Literally, can't have one without the other. Not sure about love and marriage, but love and hope. You can't have one without the other. And hopefully you'll have a chance to experience what I've, the way I've seen it and expressed it. But we'll see. What you will get to experience very shortly, uh, since it is a Friday, uh, again, I, I, I reiterate the, the immediate moment in, uh, in, in time within the Julian calendar. It is the 28th of April, 2023. And in just a moment, we'll get to hear a guy who's got his feet on the ground uh, and, his, and his nose and his eyes in everything political in the best tradition of political reporting. My co-host on Fridays, David Bach, he'll be with us in just a little bit. But boy, if there was ever a time I feel good about saying, let's digest all of this. Let's think about the things that transcend the moment, the stuff that is at the core of what we do. And we like to do it here on Center Left Radio with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com it's friday you know that you know exactly what's coming up next why should i hold back any longer david what's on your mind uh well there, there's a bunch of things that happen um but if you want to hear more uh you can follow me on twitter at faces ideas no um so uh i want to talk very quickly about this um the dnc not doing debates um there's there's you know, there's argument for both sides. The, the argument for it is, oh, you know, it would be nice to have somebody to, uh, to, to attack Biden from the left, to, you know, call him out on some of the things that he didn't do well, like the union busting, the, uh, the just complete failure to do anything on health care, uh, the, the way he went about the student debt relief, uh, things like that. Yeah. Okay. On the other hand, um, Generally, one-term presidents, with the exception of Trump, usually end up that way because there is some type of serious challenge from his within his own party. This this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah. The other problem is these are not serious challenges within his own party. Like, like it would be different if it was like Bernie or something who's running, but we're dealing with a quack in the Kennedy kid. And Marion Williamson, who just doesn't have it, like it, it's just not there. Like she can, she can talk. She's 
she could talk, you know, and, and attack the left, but it's not, she's not the person to do it. Like, it's not, we're, we're not dealing with candidates where it would make a substantial difference whether or not he debated them. Should we, should we be adding the possibility of a Joe Manchin in there also? I would love for Joe Manchin to run because I would love to see somebody take the gloves off and directly say how dangerous and destructive Joe Manchin has been to this fucking country. Do you think he could actually get the endorsement of as an independent? Is that a possibility? I have no idea. I think it depends on if it's, if it's um, Donald Trump, then I don't think he would. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause like just, just a quick rundown of some of the things, uh, how terrible Joe Manchin is. His family's directly responsible for the spike in um, EpiPen prices. Directly. Like, we're talking the uh, Martin Scarelli shit. Yeah, um, yeah. They should be in prison. Um, Joe Manchin is directly responsible, along with every single Republican, for throwing millions of children back in, po- in poverty for killing the childhood tax credit. Joe Manchin is directly responsible for, um, currently, they just pe- uh, repealed the law um, cutting back on EPA's ability to uh, to regulate uh, some some type of uh, environmental issue, and this is partly because Feinstein's not there, so Joe Manchin was able to do it. Joe Manchin is directly responsible for a lot of terrible things, and um, people should realize that. Yeah, on the other hand, usually, prob- I'm sorry, usually independents have like a core a core issue that drives them to go as an independent. I can't think of a core issue that Joe Manchin could, could, could really get a whole bunch of people to rally around him for that he represents. I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm going back into uh, what, what the, the two major uh, uh, independents that have run, uh, you know, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, uh, back in the oh geez, I'm, I'm, the names are escaping. But yeah, they're, they're, right. But there's always there's always there's always a core issue that these people are running on. Mansion doesn't have a core issue, nor does Robert Kennedy Jr. From what I can see, I mean, unless you want to run on what didn't happen with, with you want to run on 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 his COVID paranoias. I don't know. I yeah you know. But I leave that to uh, to the fates to decide. Right. That's that's not you. So then um, there is some good. News. Uh, there was a whole this this week had a whole bunch of fireworks. Uh, Nate Silver got fired. Don Lemon got fired. And Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox News. Ah, uh, my heart's bl- my heart is breaking. It it breaks just to hear the story again. Yeah. Now we are not entirely sure why. Um, there appears to be a whole bunch of different reasons. Obviously, the most obvious one should be that he is the most prominent white nationalist conspiracy theorist in the country. Well, that would be uh, un, un, in, a, in a rational if Fox were living in a rational world. Yes, that would be one of it. Yeah. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter why he's fired. Tucker will never be as big as he was on Fox. Uh, he even he, he did something, he did some shitty little video on Twitter and he got like 45 million views. First off, that doesn't mean dick. It doesn't, you don't know how many of those people will be watching it, how many are people who accidentally clicked on it. Like, you don't, you don't know how many of it's being shared and stuff to, it doesn't mean 45 million. It also doesn't mean he has 
you know, a following to do this. Like, who cares? Because, look, you thought Bill O'Reilly was bigger than Fox. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly yeah, has yeah. no power. Tucker will vanish. Hopefully. Hopefully Tucker will vanish. Because when we're talking about Joe Manchin, Tucker is an incredibly effective propagandist for terrible things. He is, and I think this needs to be repeated, the number one propagator of white nationalism in the country. I, I, over and over. I, I totally agree with you. You know, I, I want his yeah. His legacy should be remembered for two things: the white nationalism and wanting to sleep with candy. And hopefully, the second one makes it more funny that the first one happened. But <laughs> it should not be forgotten that the first one was a, as effective as it was. I I I find I I was trying the other day, you know, just just sort of, you know, digesting uh, what hopefully will be the last bits of Tucker in my system, but trying to figure out what his formula is. And I was watching tapes of him and I was watching and I, and he, I, I, I went back and I went online and watched some of his shows. You can pick that up on Fox on their, on their, on their cable, on their, uh, on their website. And what occurred to me was something that I had not noticed before. He's, I don't want to call it brilliant, but very smart in the way he sets up what he's about to do. He will read through a whole list of things that you, I, and anybody else with half a brain would agree to. You know, this is a problem, that's a problem. He'll tick off real issues in America, things that, that just about anyone could agree with. But then, once he's ticked off this list, veer off into something absolutely nutty like some white conspiracy notion. Tell me, what is a white conspiracist? There are not, you know, blah, blah, blah. After he's gone through a rational list, and this was his modus, this is how he did things so effectively. He basically suckered you in, or suckered some people in, to this notion of, look, look at that great list of things that he just said, and then he veers off. And it's simple as all hell, but it, he's done it again and again and again. And this is how he suckered the non-critical thinkers of the world into his camp. That's, that's, that's my take, and I don't, know, I don't know how you feel about him, but that's kind of what, what I'm seeing. Well, it's, it's also how he got dishonest leftists to, to back it. Um, yeah, because you know we could all agree that like healthcare is a problem, wealth inequality is a problem. Sure, all that that's that's he'll like, he'll say yeah. all that and then veer into like, something bizarre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he, but let's be clear, Chuck Tucker wasn't fired because he spoke truth to power or because he was anti-war or because he was exposing exposing the Biden regime or whatever <laughs> other nonsense it was. He was most likely fired because he was going to cost or was costing. Fox News and it's Norman about a money and after the Dominion suit and what will likely be a large uh, Smartmatic suit, they don't want to deal with what will eventually be a trillion dollar um, suit after the 2024 election when he says some crazy ass shit for something else. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or clearly I think there is, there is, you know, you keep hearing this human resource issue situation uh, where he was, you know, just basically calling, calling his female boss basically the C word, which is pretty, 
pretty dumb and nasty. And at some point, most companies might react to something like that. I don't know. That might have been part of it. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Right. Um, but we do need to also talk about uh, uh, Missouri yeah. or Montana with, with uh, Zoe Zephyr. Yeah. So um, for those of you who haven't heard this name, Zoe Zephyr is a transgender lawmaker. Um, she was recently, she was this week censored, but this started last week. So what happened was they're voting on some uh, anti-trans bill. I think it's to, to uh, take away some of their protections of discrimination or something. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And her response to it was basically like, look, there's going to be blood on your hands from this. So in response to this, the, the farthest right was like, hey, you got to censor or do something. But they didn't for a week. And this is important that they, they didn't do this. What they basically did was for a week they decided, yeah, you're not going to be allowed to speak. We're just going to refuse to give you your right as a legislator to debate on an issue. Um, and they would just make shit up so that she couldn't talk about it. And this led to a, a protest similar to the one that happened in Tennessee right. with young people protesting outside and inside the Capitol about their representative or the way they're treating her. So then they decided to uh, censor. They were thinking about expelling her, but they didn't. Um, so she is, for all intents and purposes, not allowed into the chamber to debate during this, during the rest of the session. Um, <laughs> so she just camped outside. But it's important to recognize that they just, they, they, she didn't break any rules. They got their feelings hurt because you pointed out that their um, their bill is going to hurt people. Yeah, they 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 got her on. Uh, she just simply uh, lacked decorum, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. You know, uh, I don't know. I doubt that there are any rules within their body, even as crazy a place as Montana. I doubt if there's a rule that says you're not allowed to say the word blood or suggest that someone would have blood on their hands if they did something that would be dangerous to the lives of a whole bunch of people. I, I doubt if. if it was said by a male, it wouldn't have meant anything. If it was said by a non-transgender person, it probably would have slipped by. But, nope, 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 nope. And they obviously haven't learned the lessons of Tennessee, and uh, they're, they're just, and they just keep drawing more attention to themselves. Fine. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, she seems, Zoe seems perfectly willing uh, to go the distance on this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, they're just creating creating headlines that make them look more ridiculous, which yeah, yeah, for the National yeah. Party is better because then they're not talking about them trying to slash the VA by 22% or the, uh, the draconian stuff that they're going to do for their uh, for the work requirements, which, uh, let's be honest, when when something passes for the, uh, uh, the budget to raise the debt ceiling, it's probably going to be the work requirements. Um, it 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 just is, and because most of the stuff is is nonsense, like yeah, it it's non-binding or 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 just just requires somebody to write a different line later to to undo most of it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a problem for McCarthy that he his own budget was a Herculean task for them to pass. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is good because it's it's good to show that these people are clowns. And they are, and and the biggest clown is doing his his show, 
and the second biggest clown of DeSantis is apparently going to run, and he is going to get curb stopped. <laughs> like, okay. I, I said, <laughs> what do you before, What do you really think is going to happen to him? <laughs> I said this before, and I've been repeating this. Yeah, DeSantis is a paper tiger. First off, he he lives in this this bubble, yeah, of like protected Fox News, protected Daily Wire protective like right-wing people who are okay with the authoritarianism but just don't like how blatant trump is about it even yeah. though DeSantis is equally as blatant oh easily um, easily and who are happy with the fact that he's just going after their perceived enemies um his his press secretary is like is literally a demon um she is like his whole appeal is i'm not woke and i'm going to be cruel to the people who are perceived as woke his his um, lieutenant general or his, uh, his surgeon general should probably go to prison for the fact that he directly altered a study, not based on scientific evidence, just personally altered a study on COVID, on the COVID vaccine to make it seem more dangerous, which probably got thousands of Floridians killed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like it should be something that uh, probably is illegal. The uh, His... He's, he has no appeal. He's a weirdo. He can't, like, these interviews all go poorly for him. The, the, the national appeal for him is, is what? I, I am, the, I'm shocked at how bad. You, you, I just have to go back to a point you just made. I am shocked when you finally see him one-on-one -on -one talking to an interviewer or in any kind of an interview situation or in any kind of a human interaction situation, the man is so grossly, grossly unappealing. There is a, there is a, a crudeness and a, and a roughness about him uh, and a belligerence that doesn't even translate to me into like, you know, aggressive for the cause. He's just an unappealing person. It, it, it's just it's just amazing that he's yeah, gotten this he far got, like he did not do well in his debates with charlie chris who was pretty milquetoast yeah 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 he's like i'm pretty sure at asia hutchinson who's also kind of milquetoast would do uh would tear him apart uh i'm sure if chris christie got in the race he would definitely tear him oh apart. chris christie and, could tear anyone apart you know and Except Trump Donald. is gonna, and Trump's having a field day with him. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's, it, it's. I hope he runs because he's going to get destroyed, and hopefully, the Democratic Party in, in Florida isn't going to be as feckless as they were the last cycle. Thank, and they'll thank actually you. take yeah. it. Yeah, take, like that's like that's a big thing. They're like, oh, DeSantis is such a great candidate. No, the the Democratic Party in Florida is terrible. Yeah, like them and them in New York are like. Or their clown shows. New York, my God, that that we we basically gave uh, the, the the we we could have held the house. Amazing. I mean, that would have been even the most the miracle of miracles. But a New York, when you add up the numbers, gave the house to the Republicans. We did it. Amazing. Uh, so, <laughs> look, I'm all. I want the Santos to get in the race. I want Christie to get in the race. I want uh, I want all of them to get in the race and just tear each other apart because. I still think Trump is coming out on top, unless he gets um, indicted. Although well, I now, think now, that, is... and, that, and that's and that's the other thing to talk about. And I, and I and I brought this up any number of times, and I'll just say it quickly. On the documents case, 
one of the three laws that he will be brought up on, the Espionage Act, has a, as a specific penalty for breaking it and being convicted of breaking it, the fact that you may no longer ever, for the rest of your life, run for any political office in the United States. That is a specific statement, a specific, a specific penalty for breaking that law, being, acu being accused and convicted of breaking it. If that happens, and that's, that's what the documents case, and that's the one that everybody says is the strongest, and if that goes down, Donald's out of the race, period. And that's the lightest penalty. That's before you get into criminal, uh, uh, before you get into jail time or, or, you know, ankle bracelet at home for the rest of your lifetime or, or, you know, parole or whatever the hell else. That's the easy one. You no longer get to run for office. And people just aren't focused on that right now. I just throw it out there again. Yeah. And I think Georgia said they're going to be done by May 11th. Yep. Yep. And that's a monster. That's a monster case. It's right there, the telephone call. It's right in your face, man. You know, And all the effort that Fox and, and, and One America and all these people have put into not running that, 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 that uh, tape of the, of the phone call with Raffensperger, you know, about him saying, I want exactly this many, uh, 11,370. Oh, you got to just find them. When people are finally forced to hear this, and then hear a reasonably competent prosecutor put it in context. Bingo. <laughs> you know, there you go. So, 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 so Trump is by, yes, he's, he's, the, he's the currently obvious shoe-in for the Republican nomination. But if he does, make, by some miracle, manage to make it, if he's not totally disqualified by then, he comes with so much baggage. At least one of these trials will have been going before the 2024 election. All of this information will be out there. And the guy is basically crippled in the ring and still standing there yelling and screaming at, you know, screaming at the shadows. That's, that's what I foresee here. Yeah, and if DeSantis is the... The, the next runner up. I think he's going to lose as just as badly. Probably just as badly. Yeah, I would agree. I would as, totally as agree. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, do you do you see anything? Are you are you at all uh, curious about what might have happened with the Pence deposition yesterday? Does that uh, does that raise any interest for you? No, because I know he's got. There's like still stuff. There's still a bunch of stuff he has to do, and I think they're waiting on some other. They have to wait on some other trials for stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, I, it's it's telling that we're like two years later, and Mike Pence at every opportunity was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll absolutely talk about when the president tried to kill me." Um, <laughs> but yeah, and spent the last two years saying, "No, no, 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 I can't talk about that." Like, get fucked. And you, I, I don't understand like, how you don't have the self-preservation to say, you know what? The Hang Mike Pence party tried to hang me, Mike Pence, and maybe I should burn them to the ground. Just just on a on a, a, a revenge tour, 
or self-defense. More than self-defense, uh, I would say he seems to be lacking self-respect. All of those eyes gazing to the heaven and always, you know, God and Jesus are wrapping me in their, in their mantle, I think is a load of crap. And the man doesn't have any real self-respect. Otherwise, he would have gone ahead and done exactly what you're talking about a long time ago. And he would have found a way to go in and testify instead of playing a game that certainly leaves him as from what I can see, I don't, I don't even imagine him being a viable candidate. Do you see any circumstances under which he might actually be a challenge to Trump? There's no circumstance where the Hank Mike Pence party dominates Hank Mike Pence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. David, uh, th th this, is, this is why they play the games. This is why we keep looking at this and keeping an eye on it. It gets curiouser and curiouser day by day, week by week. And, of course, I appreciate the opportunity to, 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 to parse it all out with you uh, on our Friday get-togethers like this. But other than Friday, where else can people hear you and see you? Uh, Twitter at Faces Ideas Bill. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it once again. Our Friday co-host, David Bach, with, uh, with, the, with the goods on a lot of people and a lot of situations. And I wish all of you a very pleasant day and uh, hope that uh, you might kick off the remainder of it with a little jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Yes, we're about hope, 
politics and jazz, and every once in a while, we have to get past the momentary fluctuations of the political and think about what is it that grounds us in hope, in the ability to imagine change, in the, in the drive to move forward, to basically overcome all those bizarre shifts from day to day. What moves us forward? <laughs>